So uh, you're probably wondering, what am I going to speak on this morning? Any guesses? Joy. I'm going to speak on joy this morning. Uh, Dan says hello. He's in Michigan, as you just heard, at the um, Build Conference. Sorry, just letting my thank you notes fall all over the stage. Um, He's having a great time at Build in the Point, Michigan. So he asked me to speak, and under the umbrella of healthy, strong, I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to speak about, joy. Okay? So I'm going to talk about how we get it, how we keep it, how we bring it. Okay? Let's start with what the Bible says. Let's remind ourselves of what the Bible says. Now, I'm just going to throw out some scriptures at you, and if you know them, just say them with me, okay? The joy of the Lord is my strength, Nehemiah 8.10. The kingdom of God is not eating, drinking, is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14.17. In his presence is the fullness of joy, Psalm 16.11. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Psalm 2, 2 to 4, pouring out the oil of joy on Jesus more than anyone else is Hebrews 1 verse 9. And Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. John 15, 11, and always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice, Philippians 4, or rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, okay, that's enough. Okay, so we know it's biblical, joy. It's biblical, right? We all agree it's biblical. Hello. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's the joy of the Lord. It's of the Lord. It's not of life. It's not the joy of life. It's not the joy of mountains. It's not the joy of harbors and boats. It's not the joy of love, food, relationships, or puppies even. And I love puppies. It's the joy of the Lord. It's of God. You can't get it apart from him. You've got to be in him to have this, the joy of the Lord. It's not manufactured. It's of him. You can't fake it. It's his nature. But here's the good news. If you're born again this morning, you have his nature. So you have his joy in you. It's divine, but you have to activate it. And so do I. I have to activate it. If you're born again, you have the joy of the Lord. Okay? But here's the thing. Joy is like a muscle. <laughs> you have to exercise it. And maybe your muscle, your joy muscle, is a little bit atrophied right now. <laughs> it does happen. But hey, the good news is muscles have memory. So you can get it going again. Okay? It's never too late. So um, I used to go to a boot camp that met in our building for like eight years. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I probably got the fittest I've ever been. But since I stopped doing it, everything goes a bit soggy. Your muscles go a bit soggy. They go a bit atrophied. But I'm told the good news is if I start doing hammer curls and weights again, they'll come back, right? He's given us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. It's a garment. What do you do with a garment? You put it on. We have to choose joy. You have to put it on. We have to choose joy every day. So this is really my first point. If you want three points, there's three today. Choose joy every day. Let's think about that for a second. You're in the car. Somebody's rude to you. You can either go, oh, or you can say, no, hallelujah, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I bless that person. You've got to choose joy in every circumstance because you have the joy of the Lord, and it's your strength. Okay? We'll come back to that. Um, We've got to choose joy every day. I believe it's not a suggestion, it's a command. 
I loved this morning's meeting. I love it when the Holy Spirit interrupts, and I loved what Mike said, because we have to stir ourselves up. The world needs us to be vibrant and full of joy. They're looking. They're looking for something. And people love to laugh, so let's be really funny. Okay, so rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice in Philippians 4. To rejoice means to take delight and be glad in, in the Lord, in who he is, his character, his goodness, his greatness, his complete reliability. He is completely reliable, and always a continual expression in our lives. Not just sometimes, not when we feel good, always. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice, it's a command. The quality of our life as Christians depends on our consistency with these things. If we're not consistent, we're not going to really live the abundant life Jesus planned for us. We just live below par all the time and the church will just be plodding along. I don't want to do that. It's a third of the kingdom, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's a third of the kingdom, it's really important. The enemy doesn't want you to know how important joy and laughter is. It's really important. It's a third of the kingdom. Is it any wonder, then, that joy is under such attack in the church and in the world around us? The enemy wants to steal your joy. You know, if he can't make you sin, you're a lovely church-going person, you don't drink or smoke and you don't swear, then what can he do? He can zap your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't let the devil steal your joy. I'm not going to let him steal my joy. Here's the thing. It weakens the church because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our very strength. Did you know that that bone is called the humorous bone? <laughs> Did you know that? I just learned that this year. Am I the only one who just learned that? Different spelling, but don't you think that's clever of God? It's to help us remember. Okay, God is the greatest laugh. In his presence is the fullness of joy. The fullness, the most joy. I don't picture God sitting up on a big beard and all holy. He is holy, but I see him as exuberant and so joyous and laughing. You know, he is the greatest laugh. In his presence is the fullness of joy. The Bible says in Psalm 2, as we read earlier, he sits in the heavens and laughs. What's he laughing at? He's laughing at what his enemy says. The context of that scripture is he's laughing at what the enemy says and the plans the enemy has against him. He's laughing. He's laughing right now at what the enemy's doing in the world. He's not on his throne biting his nails. He's not anxious or worried because he's already won. And we're meant to copy him. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of your father as beloved children. We're meant to copy our heavenly dad, be a chip off the old block, be really funny, right? We, haven't got, we have no get-out clause as Christians. This is our job. It's our priority. If there is a decline in laughter in our lives, I believe it's not, it's not rooted in faith or intimacy with God. If you meet somebody who's religious and very somber and they claim to know the Bible so well and la-la-la, but they're miserable, then I would question if they've got any walk with God. You can't spend time with someone who is the most fun and not have it rub off on you in some way. <laughs> it's just not possible. <laughs> I believe instead the decline of laughter in our life is realistically, it's, result, it's a result of stress, unbelief, circumstances, religious tradition, and growing up. Nobody wants to grow up, do we? <laughs> I don't. Um, and obviously we remember that kids laugh in excess of like 400 times a day, and apparently adults laugh about 15 
at best on our good days. So we know it's a challenge. We know this is in front of us. This is why I'm preaching on it today. It's important. The presence of joy in a believer's life is one of the main signs of maturity. It doesn't mean they're silly. So you think about it, it's the third of the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy is high up there on the list. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is a sign of maturity. So check yourself, I check me. If I'm mis- I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in the shops and I'll go past a mirror and I frighten myself. <laughs> oh. And that's not always on the days with no makeup. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's Mombi. I thought I got rid of her. The mom zombie. But we have to be exuberant. We have to, it's from the inside out, it's not fake, it's not manufactured, but do a check. Why, where's my joy level? If I'm spending time with him, it should be way up here. And then it, you are affected. It will manifest physically, laughing, smiling, you know, being nice. <laughs> um, you can't say you spend time regularly with God and be miserable. That's a fact. You can't. It's just not. I'm sorry. I've been a Christian for 30-odd years. It is a lie to say you spend time with God and you're miserable. <laughs> it's just not possible. Like I said, you get like the people you live with. You get like the people you spend time with. You, you can't expect to spend time with God and not have some of him rub off on you. Okay? Um, and that will manifest. You should be able to smile. We should just tell ourselves to smile more anyway. I mean, there's a musician and singer. I'm told all the time, you need to smile. I'm like, I am smiling. I'm singing and smiling at the same time. It's really hard to say the words. But I am smiling. I'm trying to smile. Um, but for the big picture, this is the little picture in a sense. This is you and me and us as a church. But for the sake of the world, like, did you all know about what went on with, in Washington recently? Did everybody know that there was thousands of Christians gathered along the Washington, is it called the Grand Mall? They got permits. They were allowed for days. Days it was. Praising, worshipping, praying for this nation. Did you know that just happened? Isn't that amazing? See, you don't hear that on the news, but you've got to keep your antennae up because it's exciting. But for the sake of the world, the church must arise now in love and joy and peace and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Because we're, this is the big picture. This is, we're preaching about joy, we're going to get ourselves going, we're going to keep ourselves going, and we're going to reach the world. But the big picture is for the sake of the world we're doing this. Amen? Charles Spurgeon said, A genuine revival without joy in the Lord is as impossible as spring without flowers or day dawn without light. That's old-fashioned language, day dawn without light. Charles Spurgeon said, a genuine revival without joy is in the Lord is as impossible as spring without flowers or day dawn without light. Let's put the next slide up. We have to practice joy. Now, obviously, we know the joy of the Lord is from him, but this is a good way for us to you know, practice joy. Watch clean comedy. Okay, clean comedy. Babies, puppies, animals, they're brilliant. Um, I watch comedians regularly to make myself laugh. And, you know, your desire is where you give your attention to. So if your muscles are a little bit atrophied, just give your attention to funny things. And the more you laugh, the more you laugh. And then it is so beneficial to our health and our joy. And it does activate. It's a good way of activating your muscles. So then you become fun to be around. Laughing is attractive, fun people are attractive. I love 
watching comedians, but I love being around funny people. It's, it's awesome. And imagine if the whole church of Jesus Christ across the globe was hilarious. I think we'd win a few more people to Jesus. Anyway, uh, but seriously, let's talk about, we've got to practice joy. Let's talk about a few hindrances to joy. And some of them are the lies of the enemy. That's number one, he lies to you. So these are some funny ones. I'm going to say them and feel free to laugh if you think they're funny. And if not, just turn to your neighbor and say, tickle me or knock me out, please. Okay. It's not my personality to be joyful or to laugh much. Well, that's like saying it's not my personality to love. It's love, joy, peace, patience. It's all part of God's nature. Joy is an optional fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> this is a good one. God regrets giving man a sense of humor. <laughs> it's okay to cry in church, but laughter should be avoided and shunned at all times. <laughs> the Bible was speaking metaphorically when it said that a merry heart is good medicine. We should not trust the perspective of any Christian who laughs a lot. I cannot be joyful until my circumstances change. I'm suspicious of all laughing Christians. <laughs> okay, well, here's some serious ones, though. What else hinders our joy? Shame, guilt, weariness, excessive introspection, a foreboding spirit, a critical spirit, and being easily offended. These are all enemies to our joy. And look at all, let's look at that list for a second. Shame and guilt. Feeling not worthy or deserving of joy based on our performance as Christians. Oh, I messed up again. I'm not good enough. Didn't read my Bible enough. I didn't pray enough. Rubbish. Shame off you. Jesus took all our guilt. So that's that one out of the way. Excessive introspection. Now, introspection is a good thing in the sense that you're aware of your inner thoughts and the way you speak and the way you come across to people. But excessive introspection makes you the savior and not Jesus. Did you hear that? Excessive introspection makes you the savior, not Jesus. We sang it, all sufficient sacrifice. Now I'm all for um, inner healing. I believe in Sozo, I believe in all this stuff. God's given us tools to get us healthy so we can heal the world. But let's look at a principle here. If you're spending so long looking at yourself and not to him, and how great he is, and how much bigger he is. He is all sufficient. The blood of Jesus was so powerful. I mean, it's still working now. One drop could have healed the whole world, but he poured the lot out. I mean, we need to get our heads, heads in the clouds, heads in the heavens for a minute, okay? He's bigger. Inter excessive introspection is fueled by insecurity, self-criticism. You've got to be perfect, competition. You'll never be enough. Jesus is enough. So I want to encourage you, if you've been on a journey and you can't kick something or you can't change an area or can't get over something, don't give up hope because he is more than enough. And it's a lie of the enemy to say that you've got to do it. Okay? This one, a foreboding spirit in the days we live in. You've got to be careful in the Christian circles of end-time teaching because, and I have studied all the eschatologies, and I'm convinced I know no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> no, I know I need to stay close to God and do what I do know to do, and he'll take care of the rest. That's a good eschatology. I've studied a lot of them, but in the midst of it, you can get a little bit of a foreboding spirit, a religious foreboding spirit. It's like, something terrible is going to happen. Oh, it's doom and gloom. God isn't doing that. That's not from heaven. I'm telling you right now. I'm saying it very categorically because I believe it. 
It's the expectation that something bad is going to happen. It's not hopeful. It's not based in him. It's the opposite. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. Things are going to go wrong in the world, but the Bible says we're going to get brighter, and kings shall come to the brightness of our rising. You've got to get the balance of scripture here. We win, and God already has won, and it's up to us to just get so full of joy that no matter what happens, we're not unrealistic, we're not ostriches with our heads in the sand, but we are warriors with our hand in God's hand. <laughs> We've won, okay? I could say more. A critical spirit, well, we know that. Finding fault, always criticizing. Nothing's ever good enough. It's time to champion each other and, and celebrate each other. Don't stumble over what somebody is and celebrate them. We, we talk, we use that language, but do we do it? When the worship team here is up here sweating blood, oh, it wasn't very good today, was it? The sound was rubbish. Let's champion each other. You know, I'm going to praise God jumping up and down no matter what it sounds like. I've been in meetings where I took friends who were not Christians in little old chapels when Aunt Mary's on the keyboard and it sounds diabolical and she gets born again. <laughs> Do you think God relies on this? No. So let's celebrate each other. I use worship team analogies because I'm always up here, so I'm having to go at myself. Is that okay? Because I think they're brilliant, actually. Um, weariness. Well, we've talked about that before. And Daniel, oh, I'm running out of time. I should hurry. Um, in the end days, the enemy comes to wear down the saints. We understand that weariness is different than tiredness. It's demonic. It's weariness. It saps your strength. It makes you want to quit and give up. What's the point? Apathetic, lethargic, okay? No, we're not having that. All these things are to zap our strength, to sap our strength, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, individually and corporately. But let me hone in on one really quick. Being easily offended, ouch. Being easily offended means we feel insulted, mistreated, snubbed, or disrespected. At which point, we decide to choose to be offended. We decide to take offense. Dwelling on past hurts only empowers the devil to go ahead and steal your joy. And then, and then, once we've taken offense, we are weighed down by spirits of heaviness. You know, weariness is a spirit. I'm not being all spooky, but it is. It's demonic. He's sent to wear down the saints. The devil is not omnipresent. He's got to have his little ugly cohorts going around doing stuff. So that's a weariness spirit, okay? And spirits of heaviness to weigh you down and create, here are the symptoms, anger, self-pity, criticism, and unforgiveness. So if you see those activating somewhere, stop. Because realize the trouble is, joy can't coexist in a life that's offended. So if we're on this quest for joy, because for the sake of the world, we've got to have this. We've got to be overflowing with joy if we're going to reach the world. Can't have a revival without joy. We've established that. So me, I'm going to make sure I live unoffended. Because joy cannot coexist in a life that is offended. Joy cannot survive in an atmosphere where offense is allowed to reign. Joy and forgiveness walk hand in hand. So here's some simple things that I think will help us become unoffendable. Number one, realize that I too cause offense. We too, each one of us. If I'm offended, I'm like, I cause offense as well, though. I've offended people, and I equally need forgiveness. The other day, I won't go into details, I arranged something, and I was forgotten. Somebody forgot about me. Surprise, surprise, isn't it? I know. But they did. And I sat at home thinking, 
That's odd. And I had a moment where I could choose offence. They don't care about me. They don't value my time. I'm not interesting enough. They don't love me. And I decided, no, I'm not having that. So I ignored it and just carried on with my life. I realized, oh, that's all right. They probably just forgot. A few days later, I almost forgot about something. And I was going to go meet someone that I love and love being with and I really treasure and really value. So just the fact that I forgot didn't mean I didn't value that person. Thankfully, I didn't. <laughs> and I made it in time. But it taught me something. The Lord said, you see how that happens? It's really easy, isn't it? So, you know. Glad I didn't get offended. I chose, I chose not to take offense. So realize that we offend people. Number two, realize that overcoming offense is necessary for maturity. Because we know we need joy, and joy is a sign of maturity. Okay? We have to overcome offense. Our response is more important than the situation itself. I mean, I've been wronged horribly, especially in ministry. <laughs> we always joke, ministry is brutal. <laughs> We do, we joke about it, and then we laugh. <laughs> and then we punch each other in the face. <laughs> and everything's okay. No, seriously, you know, people are rude. They just are. And Christians can be really prickly and really religious and annoying. But not you, none of you. So, you know, but you have to make a decision. Ah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to live offended. Because it's not worth it. I want joy. <laughs> do you like my snorts? I'll try and put some more in for you. Um, so it's more important how we respond, not the situation. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be right. But how I respond is really important. I watched Cinderella while I was in England, the new one, and I was in the flat on my own in the dark, and I watched Cinderella, and there's a phrase in the new one. Have you seen it? The blue dress girl. Oh, it's so lovely. Actually, it's the best one. And her dying mother, I've never seen her mother in any of the Cinderella's. Thankfully, we got to see her mother. And she was dying, and her dying breath was... Cinderella, have courage and be kind, because that's where the magic is. I thought, I cried. I thought, that is a word for the world. That is a word for the church. Have courage and be kind, because that's where the magic is. Is it just me? Am I just corny? <laughs> I thought that was really powerful. <laughs> it was all throughout the movie. I just thought, have courage and be kind. Don't choose to be offended. No matter what happens, just have courage. Be brave. Be kind. Increase your rejoicing when offense raises its ugly head. At that point, that's when you need to remember this message and remember something from this message. <laughs> and don't let offense control you because you know when you're offended at something, have you noticed that's all you think about? It's very hard to be joyful. It just eats away at you. And this is the last one and this one. I'm nearly done. What time do we finish? And I'll get there. <laughs> It's really important. It's from heaven. I really prayed and waited on God for this. Um, number five, maybe I'm just simple, but do you remember what Galatians 2.20 says? Put your hand up if you remember. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith through the Son of God. So you're dead, and I'm dead. We're crucified with Christ. And if we're offended, we're not really dead yet, are we? So I remind myself of that. I'm dead. I don't need to be offended. Nehemiah, was, when he was building the wall, do you remember? He had, is it Sambalat and Tobiah were mocking him and criticizing him, but he wouldn't come down. He was doing a great work for God and he wouldn't come down to listen to what they had to say. People with big vision that are busy doing a great work with and for God, they barely notice when people are saying stuff. They don't have time for this. 
History makers are overcomers. You and I are history makers. We have to overcome. Okay? Be hard to offend. Live light. Don't mull over negative things. Think on lovely things, Philippians 4. I would recommend that everyone in this room spend this week, if you've got any time, read through Philippians. It's a lovely book. It's a joyful epistle. And chapter 4 particularly, it's just full. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it goes on to say, make your request be made to, known to God. And that which is lovely, just, pure, honorable. Think on these things. Jesus knew, even back then, he foreknew all the rubbish we get in our eye gate and in our ear gates, through media, through everything around us. We have to dwell on that which is lovely, just, pure, honest, of a good report. Because that shapes you. It makes you joyful. Amen? Um, so if you get time... We have a joke when we're in serious meetings in other places, and I'm maybe physically present in those meetings, but probably somewhere else in my mind. I often don't know why I'm in those meetings, but I maybe have been asked because I'm Dan's wife. And I'll sit there, and then suddenly Dan will say, hey, Fee, any thoughts? And I'll say quite boldly and unashamedly, oh, I try not to have any of those. It's funny, and it breaks the ice in the room because there might be some tension, but it really does pay off to, pay, to live lightly. And of course, we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and a merry heart does good like a medicine. As well as joy being good for our health, criticism, unforgiveness, all these negative things are really bad for our health, and it's proven medically that you know, people have died of cancer because of unforgiveness. Not every time, but I'm just saying... Let's, let's just stay healthy. Let's come over into the joy realm and stay in the joy realm. See, um, laughter, they did a whole bunch of experiments, which I won't go into, but it's known to improve your, boost your immunities, your T cells and your gamma something radon, whatever's. And um, <laughs> I'm a doctor <laughs> of sorts. Um, it's, 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 uh, it lowers your blood pressure. Uh, it's a good antibiotic. It lowers stress and it fights germs. A merry heart does good like a medicine. We can't afford to let this vital quality of the kingdom of God to be in any way watered down or diminished in our lives. We have to, we have, this is really important. I'm spending this morning on joy because it's really important to practice it. Um, joy is our priority. It's part of God's health plan for you, for your soul, spirit, and body. Okay? It's biblical, and it's a catalyst to breakthrough. Um, we should have such a joyful expectation of what's going to happen in God because we know him, because we know he's got this. He's great. And you know, when you first got saved, you may have been, had moments in your Christian walk where you're so excited about what God's doing. And sometimes you're not really that aware and maybe a bit dull. We all get there. But let's, let's stir that up. I just told you about what happened in Washington, in this nation. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Christians for days, they were allowed, they had permits, praying, interceding, worshipping Jesus in Washington. I think that's really exciting. Um, <laughs> Romans 15, 13. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. All hope, joy, and peace in believing. All joy and peace in believing. We sang about it today. That's why I got excited because I felt there was themes in the songs that I'm already talking about. Like, we've got to believe. If we're believing in his greatness and his goodness and his complete reliability, he cannot fail. He is love. Love never fails. He cannot fail. Our believing in him. Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is the positive, optimistic expectation that good is coming. Let me talk about my dog. <laughs> Cyrus, I love Cyrus. Be a joy bringer. He is a joy bringer. Okay, this is the third one. So the first one was, what was it? Choose joy, <laughs> practice joy, be a joy bringer. Okay, if you're choosing joy every day and you practice it, you'll become exuberant. You won't have to manufacture it or stir it up or be fake. People just see joy on you because you're so full of God. Amen. And he's the ultimate joy bringer. When to copy him, we've got to be like him. Be a joy bringer. So Cyrus. I have a dog called Cyrus. He's a golden Labrador. He is lovely. He's about eight years old. And he's getting a bit slower these days. But there's three things we have to be careful of in our house around Cyrus. Number one, if we handle a plastic bag in any way, shape, or form, the sound of rustling plastic. Number two, the sound if I knock his lead by accident, if I brush past it, the jangling or any sound related to his lead. And number three, we, ha we can't say a certain word around him. He's not here, is he? W-A-L-K. Some of you are going, walk, 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 yes. You can't say that word in our house because something happens to him. We have to spell it around him. I have to say, Jonah, can you take you-know-who for a W-A-L-K? That's how we speak in our house because if we say it, he is off his bed, he's wide awake, he goes absolutely crazy. He cannot wait. He is absolutely nuts. He's jumping around, he's pacing, he's panting, and he cannot contain his excitement and his eager anticipation that something good is about to happen to him. <laughs> What's funny is we walk in the same lap. It's like a goldfish. This is new, this is new. He <laughs> like he must, I, I'd be bored. I, I get bored of that same route. But we need to be like that with God. Can you see? I'm going to paint a picture here that just at the slight rustling, we hear something's going on in Washington. God's on the move. I like that whole thing, Aslan's on the move. We hear the rustling in the leaves of the trees. God is doing something in this nation and all over the world. Don't watch the news. Be careful what you see. Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Why? Because it's all bad news and you don't hear the good news. God is on the move. So at the slight rustling of what he's doing, right, we should be so excited the anticipation, and then looking at us, the world would go, wow, why are they so excited? Like looking at Cyrus, he makes me smile. He's such a nutter. I mean, he's so funny, but he's a joy bringer. And that makes us become joy bringers because we're so excited about what God is going to do. Just saying. That'll be easy. We'll become, our excitement will become contagious. His excitement becomes contagious. We live a life of joy and laughter. It becomes contagious. Be like Cyrus, but not in every way. <laughs> don't be blonde and hairy. <laughs> and poop everywhere. No, don't do that. Okay, so, but, you know, in Psalm 84, and it talks about that when we're on a pilgrimage, and we go through a valley of Baca, it says, which is the valley of weeping. So even when we're on the way somewhere holy, so we go through bad times, what happened there? They turned the valley into a place that's a spring 